Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new and settling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. Until a few days ago, I had no idea that this actually happened to me. I'm not going to talk about the indirect circumstances that triggered this to start haunting me in flashbacks, but I'll rather focus on the story itself, how I remember it, and how my cousin, who was with me when it happened, remembers it as well. For some context, my cousin and I are the same age. We are both women and currently 25 years old. She is only five days younger than me, and her family rented a floor in my parents' house when we were toddlers. So we basically did everything together, spent every day together until we turned five, when her family bought an apartment in another city some 30 miles away from where we lived. Since we had a very strong connection, almost codependent, it was very difficult for us to get used to not living together. So two years later, we made an agreement with our parents that we would each visit each other each weekend. And during the summer break, she would spend one week at our place and I would spend the other week at their place, and we basically exchanged like that until the end of summer break. This went on for years. Since we were spending all our free time together, by the time we turned 10 or 11, we had already exhausted all our adventure ideas in the backyard. Tree climbing, building a treehouse, setting up tents, camping in the backyard, etc. And we really needed something new to do, so we decided to go fishing together every Friday on the river near my house. It's about a 20-minute walk. Now, of course, we had no tools needed for a true fishing experience. We had a butterfly net that we would place in the water, and on a good day, we would catch a dozen or so tiny fish with it. That was enough for our restaurant game. We would come back home, bake the fish under the sunlight, and then serve it and decorate it in plastic plates that we would later serve to our imaginary customers. We've done this for weeks, and always made sure we were safe while doing it. And that wasn't very difficult since it was a pretty peaceful neighborhood. We called it the Yellow Bridge. And there was usually no one else at the river at the time that we were there. But one day, it was different. Very different. How I remember it. A couple of days ago, the memory of this encounter suddenly spilled out in my mind. We were either 10 or 11 at the time, and it was Friday. She was at our place that week, so we took the butterfly net and went fishing on the river. We were alone, sitting under a large willow tree right next to the river, when suddenly, a man showed up basically from nowhere. He was standing a couple of meters away from us. He had blackish hair with specks of gray, so I'm guessing now that he was in his late 40s or early 50s. He wore a dark blue t-shirt, a little smudged on the collar. He asked us what we were doing, and we said we were fishing. He continued to walk back and forth on that part of the shore. Now, under the yellow bridge, the shore itself is at least 500 meters long. He could have gone anywhere, but he stayed where we were at. Then, he came a little closer, and that's when we stood up. He told us he was having issues with his wife, and we just nodded our heads, trying to avoid the conversation and follow the don't talk to strangers rule. We didn't ask him anything, but he took a flip phone out of his pocket and opened it in front of us. 
I have to show you my wife, he said. Okay, we replied. When he found what he was looking for, he stepped even closer to us and turned the phone in our direction. It was a picture of a completely naked woman sitting in a chair with her legs spread. Once again, we just nodded. He then proceeded to show us more pictures, and it was quite clear that it wasn't his wife, because the pictures weren't even of the same woman. But all of them were naked, from head to toe, with their legs spread or in other very suggestive positions. Now that I think of it, the quality of the images, the fashion, and the aesthetics could best be described as 70s style porn. It could be that he took pictures from some old magazine he had, or had them sent to him by someone. I remember I looked at my cousin and mouthed, that's not his wife, and she just nodded. Isn't she beautiful? He asked. She is, both my cousin and I were able to stammer. We then remembered that we had left our net in the river, so we went back to the willow tree and reached in the water for the net. He was standing there, in the same spot as before, just looking at his phone. He then showed us a very low-quality picture of two naked men and another naked woman. The picture really looked like pictures taken with a flip phone camera at the time. This is me, he said, and pointed at one of the men in the picture. Once again, all we could do was nod, and said that we had to go home. He then said the words that have been haunting me for days now. You think my wife is beautiful? She thinks you're beautiful too, and she would love to meet you. Come with me to meet her, and we can play together. No, we have to go home, I replied. Oh, you little party breaker. Maybe your friend doesn't want to go home. Come on, I want to play with you, he said and turned to my cousin. No, I really want to go home, my cousin replied. This is where the details of the memories stop. What I remember next is him giving up, just not being there anymore, and us leaving, giggling and laughing as we walked away, and mocking his voice and tone on the way back home. But I found it weird that only after so many years have I remembered this situation, and I've brushed it off as a potential dream or false memory. But since his words kept echoing in my head, I had to call my cousin, and I described my memory word for word as I described it here and she said that it did happen, just slightly different from how I remembered it. This is how my cousin recalls it. First off, it happened. All the details are correct, but once she told me she really wanted to go home, he was way too close, and we were scared to start running or turn our backs to him, since we thought that he could catch us. So we just stayed there for a while, and kept pretending like he was not there. We played with our catch, the tiny fish in a bucket filled with water, and talked about our fathers who work in the police. Obviously it was a lie, her father is a forest ranger, and mine works in tech, and how they were strong, so strong that they could kill a man with one punch. The man didn't believe our exaggerated story, and he kept walking in circles around us. Not too close, but he did keep an eye on us the entire time, and we waited, and waited, and waited. At one point, he went into the bushes behind us to use the restroom. At least that's what he said. This is when we got up and began running. We ran across the bridge and kept running until we got to the part of the neighborhood where there are lots of houses. When we were already near to my house, I stopped in the middle of the road. Exhaustion had started to set in, and I told my cousin that my legs wouldn't move. So she helped me get down the other side of the road 
and we sat there until I felt better. Today, I know that what I experienced was not exhaustion, but a state of shock. Once I felt better, we made our way back home, threw away the fish, and decided that we were never going to go fishing again. We never told this to our parents because we knew that what happened had something to do with sex, and at the time we thought that everything related to sex is shameful and shouldn't be talked about in a family setting. My cousin said she is surprised that I thought it was a dream, and that I didn't remember it until now, since I've had such an extreme reaction, and she has PTSD from that event. Even today, she rarely goes anywhere alone, and is absolutely terrified whenever someone mentions the Yellow Bridge. While we never found ourselves down by the bridge after that day, and even though we never saw that creepy guy again, I really wish we had the ability to tell an adult what happened back then. Showing us terrible pictures and lingering around us weirdly is one thing, but now that I've come to remember it, it hurts my heart to think what if that man pulled that same act on another little girl and she didn't have the bright idea to run off. I hope deep deep down that that situation never played out, but part of me just doesn't know. I work in retail and I have a very unique name. This story happened a few years ago when I first started out my job. I work at a 24-hour convenience store, and at this point I was working the graveyard shift. I'm used to all types of unsavory folks, but there was this one guy who left me particularly unsettled. It had to be about 3 a.m., and unfortunately, I was working alone because my coworker decided to call out last minute. The store was absolutely dead, and I was packing out a delivery when he walked in. He was a short, stocky black man, a little older than me, probably late 20s, perhaps early 30s. I looked up from the task at hand and greeted him with a friendly customer service smile before asking him if he needed help with anything. He grinned, looked me up and down, his brown eyes darkening with lust. Yeah, do you sell condoms? I nodded and pointed him to the health and beauty section of the store and proceeded to make my way to the register to cash him out. He browses for a little while, and typically picked up a box of magnums and those herbal sexual supplement pills. So how are you tonight? He inquired. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I told him I was fine, working hard, and anxious to be done with my shift to go home. His eyes traveled up and down my body once more, his eyes settling on my name tag, which is pinned just beneath my left breast. I felt a little uncomfortable at this point. I've never really been comfortable with people staring at me and his eyes lingered longer than necessary. He asked how to pronounce my name. I tell him. He says it's nice, politely. I say thank you and begin to scan and bag his items, trying to avoid eye contact at this moment. He asks do I have a boyfriend. Truthfully, I say yes. He comments that he must be a lucky man and wishes he could be in his shoes. Again, I smile uncomfortably, and as we're supposed to do, ask if he needs anything else. 
Not unless I can have you, he responds rather lazily. Now I'm getting annoyed. I ignore his comment and proceed to tell him his total. He swipes his card. I complete the transaction and tell him to have a good night. He thanks me and then asks if I'm working by myself. No, my coworker is downstairs doing some paperwork. The lie came instinctually. But at this point, he grins. No, he isn't. I've been watching you since 12, and I haven't seen another person in here all this time. Are you afraid? I frowned. Okay, he's been watching me. That's not creepy at all. I tell him he needs to leave if he's done shopping. I have work to complete. Once again, he laughs at me, pretty much right in my face. I thought he was going to argue, but just then a group of drunken guys walk in, and he takes that opportunity to leave. Later that evening, I pull out my phone to check my Facebook and see that I have a single new friend request. Guess who it's from? Again, I have a unique name. There are only two people on Facebook that have it. I block and delete the friend request immediately. Next morning, as I'm heading to the subway station, I see there's a poster in the ticket taker booth, and it happens to catch my eye. The face on this poster was all too familiar. It was the creep from my store. The picture didn't have a name attached to it, and the quality appeared as if it were pulled off a surveillance camera, but it was the heading that really grabbed me. Wanted for sexual assault and battery at the East 96th Street Station. If seen, please report to the transit police immediately. I see that the incident happened more than a month ago. I make it to work and hurriedly tell my manager, who called the police and gave them our tip. I don't know if this man was ever caught, but please, let's not meet outside my store or inside my store for that matter. And to this day, I think I can trace my uncomfortability with wearing name tags back to this singular experience. Thanks for that, too. First off, this story happened almost 15 years ago now. I'll jump right in because it's a long one. I got home from work one day and logged into Facebook to find a message from someone that I didn't know. It was too long ago to remember verbatim what was said, but it was along the lines of, hey, I know you have no idea who I am, but I've been trying to decide what to do for a few days now and figured I had to let you know what's been going on. Someone has been catfishing me using your identity for over two years, and I just found out about it last week. The sender of the email was clearly pretty shaken up, and understandably so. They were experiencing a lot of emotions. According to her, she had met the imposter online a little over two years prior to her writing this, and they had been engaged in a pretty intimate long-distance relationship for a majority of that time. The imposter had created a Facebook and had over time reposted almost all of my photos with their own captions to them, including a good amount of art I'd drawn that they had taken credit for. They created fake profiles for a good amount of my friends and close family as well, so they could comment on the photos of themselves to make the profile seem legit. The funniest part to me is that although most things in my real life seemed to be mirrored in this fake profile, I, straight male, was instead portrayed as trans. I think the main reason for this was that the sender of the email and the imposter would actually speak on the phone. An imposter turned out to be female in the end, 
and therefore needed a reason to justify her more feminine-sounding voice. The sender of the email was justifiably both angry and creeped out, and wanted to find the catfish. She started asking me a lot of questions about my life, but phrasing them like, is your sister's name blank? And did you go to blank high school? Some of the questions were clearly information that anyone could glean from a quick browse of my profile. But then she asked, is your best friend blank? Which struck me as odd since despite this person actually being my closest friend and who I spend the most time with, we barely have any Facebook photos together and most are from a long time ago. Then she asked, were you adopted? And are your half-siblings named blank and blank? Which sealed the deal for me since I knew for a fact I'd never posted about being adopted online. The sender of the email already had an idea that this person had known me in real life, but this confirmed it for me. The sender of the email had contacted me shortly after confronting the imposter for the first time. I guess after two years, they'd finally become suspicious of the fact that the imposter wouldn't show their face. I have no idea how it took this long for them to figure out that they were being played, but I'm glad they finally decided to give the ultimatum of show your face or I'm cutting you off. I'm pretty sure this is the point where the imposter admitted to being a catfish and that she'd been using the identity of someone she had a crush on in high school before hanging up the phone. I was given the URL so I could look through the profile myself which was up for about two days after I saw it before it was all removed. It was definitely really bizarre. The imposter had posted more than I ever had on Facebook, and it genuinely seemed like they'd lived a pretty involved double life online as me. Almost everyone I'd posted photos with on my real profile would then have their own fake profiles created that had enough content to be genuinely convincing so they could be tagged in and validate these new photos. Some of these profiles seem to have gone and made their own real friends as well. And I wondered if any of those were used to facilitate even more online dating deception. Either way, the amount of time that this person had spent fabricating their alter ego's online presence was pretty shocking. The whole time I'd been crawling down this Facebook rabbit hole, the sender of the email was looking through my real profile. After a while, she sent me a message saying, did you take these photographs? and showed me what I remember as a black and white photo of a barn or something. I hadn't taken that picture, which was weird since everything else on the fake profile originated with me, and she'd noticed the discrepancy. We both tried reverse image searching with no luck. Then, either through a stroke of genius, or somewhat suspiciously, I really couldn't tell, she thought to flip the fake number the imposter had written into the fake FB profile around in reverse and a Google search came up with a landline that belonged to the home address of a girl that I'd gone to high school with. Real me was Facebook friends with real imposter's profile, so we both went snooping around and found the photo that she'd claimed I'd taken, which pretty much confirmed to me that this was the imposter. I'm pretty sure there were more indicators to the sender as well, but I can't remember. I thought about messaging her for a while, but decided that it probably wouldn't lead to anything good. At the time, my thoughts were definitely, let's not meet. I talked a few times with the sender of the email just to try and decompress a bit. But honestly, I just wanted to distance myself from the situation. And I also had my suspicions about the sender as well. I figured maybe it was imposter's one last ditch effort to try to talk to me. Although when it was all over, the sender seemed to be eager to leave this all behind as well, so maybe not. Either way, 
It was a really strange experience. I felt mostly freaked out and violated, but I guess there was a small part of me that was flattered by it. There were a lot of mixed emotions. The weirdest part to me is that I'm a really approachable person and would have definitely been willing to talk and probably be friends if this person had just approached me instead. Although I'm still not sure if this was done out of an obsession for me or if this person felt like I was just a suitable image to base this fabricated persona off of. I remember talking to her probably twice throughout high school and really didn't have a very good idea of who she was other than a quiet hipster girl. If either person involved hears this, I'd definitely be happy to talk now. It's been years, but I've gone from being very put off to always wondering why this person chose me over a myriad of other more attractive or interesting people online to base their other life off of. According to the sender who contacted me, she'd probably spent more time online pretending to be me than she actually did going about her own life. I have a tumultuous history of addiction and I've had plenty of my own escapes, which is why it's always fascinated me that someone would want to pretend to live someone else's life as a means of doing that. Because at the end of the day, the person pretending to be me had no idea that I spent my time daydreaming of being a different person as well. I guess it just goes to show that no matter how much you wish you were someone else, chances are that person has plenty of their own reasons to want to escape their own demons. Thanks for listening. I feel better after just getting this off my chest.